0: Welcome to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast, a podcast produced with students at UMMC. My name is Tim Chen, and I'm a former graduate of the UMC Medical School. Currently, I'm a family physician practicing in Mississippi. The goal of our podcast is to help our students and their families grow closer with the Lord and stronger in their faith and walk with God. With the rigors of school, it can be difficult to spend time with the Lord as well as fellowship with other believers. We hope that this podcast uplifts you during this challenging time and encourages you in your journey with God. Welcome to our UMMC podcast. Can you believe that this is our 16th podcast? To be honest, I didn't plan on doing this so long, but it's been such a blessing to me and I hope it's been a blessing for you guys as well. Today I'm joined with two special guests. Everyone is familiar with Christian Yu, our UMMC microbiology PhD student. In addition, we have Ezekiel Gonzalez-Fernandez. He's a UMMC MD-PhD student that will be entering his fourth year of medical school. By the way, congrats on passing your PhD defense and being done with that.
1: Yeah, I feel like I needed some something to be done with <laughs> just to keep me going.
0: Well, I'm glad both of you guys are on. Today, we will be getting into one of the most iconic Bible stories of all time. And that's concerning Genesis 22 and the offering of Isaac by Abraham. When I read this story, I remember looking at it from more of a historical angle. But did you know that Paul the Apostle also had a similar experience as Abraham in his offering of Isaac? Today, I hope that we bring this out. Before we start, I want to give you guys a little background. If you have been following along in our previous podcast, you guys know how special Isaac was to Abraham. He was the promised one. He was the seed that God promised to Abraham. Not only so, he was a miracle. Both Abraham and Sarah were too old to have children. Yet God miraculously allowed them to have a child in their old age. But here in Genesis 22, God told Abraham to offer his promised miracle son as a burnt offering back to God. Talk about a real test to Abraham. I can only imagine the prayers that he had with God that night. Now, let me read these verses, starting in verse 9 in chapter 22. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood, and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad, and do nothing to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Now there are two main points that we want to emphasize in this portion today, and I'll ask you first, Zeke. Here is some context. In Abraham's life, he had a lot of failures. However, in his failures, God never cursed him or struck him with a plague or struck him with lightning, but the only punishment, I would say, was when he tried to fulfill God's promise in his flesh by having Ishmael. That cost him God's presence for 13 years. Now, with that in view, in verse 12, it says, For now I know that you fear God. Zeke, what does it mean to fear God?
1: Now, that's really cool. I had never realized that fearing God is simply to fear losing his presence. So I think that's a really great example that You know, Abraham was one who depended on the Lord's presence. So I imagine that must have been a pretty tough 13 years for him. That experience probably stayed with him for the rest of his life. You've all experienced the sensation of losing the Lord's presence, or you could say losing the Lord's smile. I think it's, it's good to kind of clarify that because on the day we believed into the Lord, we received his life and we're saved. So we're we're sons of God no matter what. So I mean, like, for example, Tim, you got a lot of kids, right? Caleb, no matter what, Caleb is always going to be your son. He has your life. Nothing can take that away. But if Caleb's misbehaving, he might lose your smile. And that has to be restored. So in our relationship with the Lord, although the Lord is always with us, we can lose the Lord's presence, the Lord's smile. So yeah, I was really surprised. I kind of have my concept a little bit adjusted, that fearing God is actually fearing losing his presence.
0: I like how you developed this point. This has nothing to do with our eternal salvation, but it has everything to do with our experience of God in our day-to-day living. Abraham enjoyed God's frequent appearing. He was meeting the God of the universe, And as we saw in the last few podcasts, God was appearing to Abraham in so many different ways. But this one mistake cost Abraham God's presence. And I believe he feared losing God's presence to the point that he wasn't going to risk it again. No matter what the cost, he wasn't going to lose God's smile. And I think that's so applicable to us today. I have to confess, many times I don't even realize that I'm not in God's presence anymore. I'm just oblivious in my own little world, but then I start to feel so dry and for a lack of a better word, dead. You get the sense that there's no more supply. Looks like you want to add something, Zeke?
1: You know, one other thing I just wanted to add. If we feel that we have done something or are even living in a certain way where we've lost the Lord's presence, we're New Testament Christians. We're not like Abraham, we have to wait 13 years before the Lord decides to uh, smile upon us again and visit us, but actually that very morning we can have a a small time where we confess, Lord, I'm sorry for not trusting in you. Or Lord, I'm sorry for not checking with you before I went there. Lord, I'm sorry for acting in my flesh. And immediately when we do that, He applies his blood, immediately, would you say, Tim, that immediately we get the presence of the Lord again.
0: Yes, Zeke, you beat me to it. This is one of the aspects of the Lord's blood that I think most Christians neglect. We appreciate so much the Lord's blood for our eternal redemption. However, his blood also restores our moment by moment fellowship with God. And that's my experience. We don't just confess our sins once to be saved from eternal perdition. We confess daily to make sure that there's nothing between us and God, that we can live in his presence all the time. And this brings us to the second point. How was Abraham willing to offer Isaac to God? I'm a dad, and you're a dad, Zeke. Christian, you still got time. But I can't imagine how Abraham was able to do it. Luckily, the Bible tells us how, so we don't have to speculate. I'm going to read Romans 4.17 and then follow it with Philippians 3.10 because I think these verses really show how Abraham's experience of offering Isaac applies to us today right now. So this is Romans 4.17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. And now Philippians 3.10a, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Now, I really want to hit this point home because in Romans 4.17, it shows us a progression of Abraham's experience of God. It said he believes that God is the one who calls into being things that were not. That was his experience of having Isaac. He wasn't supposed to be able to have children, but bam, God calls into being things that were not. But when it came to offering up Isaac, he had to know God in another way, as one who gives life to the dead. That's the only way. Isaac was a promised child. Isaac was a miracle child. How was Abraham willing to offer up God's promised miracle child? He had to believe that if he obeyed God and offered Isaac, the only way God could continue to fulfill his promise would be to raise him from the dead. And this is also spoken of in Hebrews 11. I heard it put this way before. When he had Isaac, he knew God as the God of creation. But when he went to offer Isaac, he had to know God as the God of resurrection. How amazing is that? Which now brings us to Paul and his word in Philippians 3.10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I believe Abraham's experience in Genesis 22 is exactly what Paul wrote in Philippians 3:10. Abraham had to know Him and the power of His resurrection. Zeke, could you expound on this for us?
1: You know, when you meet other Christians or even as a Christian, you know, your goal is to know God, right? And you you meet other Christians, and they encourage you. You know, we need to know God, but it seems like the knowing here is more than just objective facts about God, just knowledge of God. But it seems like Abraham was knowing, was almost experiencing God, that there was an experienceable, subjective aspect of this type of knowing. For example, um, you know, we often talk about Philippians 3.10, right? To know the power of his resurrection. Uh, well, on Easter, you know, we you know text each other and say, "Oh, you know, praise the Lord, He has risen." But the Bible also says that He is the resurrection. See, so it's it's, it's a little. Did you see the subtle difference? Just to know who the Lord is and to experience the Lord, two different things. For example, to know that the Lord is resurrection, and then to experience resurrection um, in a situation is I think totally different right
0: yes this point gets me really excited because as Christians we need this word so much the word no here doesn't imply knowing like I know a carrot is orange the word no here implies experience like I've actually cooked tasted eaten digested this carrot Abraham and Paul for that matter didn't just know God in a factual way. They both experienced God. God was real to them. God interacted with them, and they interacted with God. God supplied them daily for their living. You know, when I was an unbeliever, I only knew God's resurrection in a factual, historical way. Then, when I was saved, I really appreciated and knew God's resurrection because it was a testimony that He truly was the Son of God. That he did die and raise for my salvation. But in Philippians 3.10, it says we can actually know the power of his resurrection. And I like how you brought this out, Zeke. I appreciate Easter and the he is risen text and graphics on social media on Easter Sunday. But what about the other 364 days? How does that help me when I'm up at 4 a.m. with three of my kids all with a stomach bug? Or how does that help an M2 student who is struggling with step one? Or how does that help a mom who is stuck in a store with her kids losing their minds? Or look at Paul in Philippians 3.10. How did knowing about Christ's resurrection help him when he's in prison for the gospel's sake? The short answer is it can't. But guess what? You can experience the power of his resurrection. Or like you said, Zeke. You can experience him as resurrection in every one of those situations, just like Paul and Abraham did. Hey, Christian, pop quiz. Do you have any personal experiences of Christ's resurrection power? Looks like you have some fellowship for me.
2: I could talk about any, many experiences I would call death experiences. You know, really tough situations. And I can say I've passed through some without getting to know Christ more and I've passed through a few also where I have gotten to know the Lord more and experienced some amount of resurrection in that death experience and and that's that's a key point here that when we're in these really tough high pressure high stress situations or you know sometimes we just land in a death situation, that becomes an opportunity for us to experience resurrection and it's a shame actually if we we don't experience the lord in those situations and actually now that i'm thinking about it you know without death there is no resurrection you can't experience resurrection if there's no no death there has to be that kind of death first so like our lives are not always going to be high mountain experiences There are going to be valley experiences, but because of those kind of valley experiences, they create an opportunity to experience those resurrection experiences.
0: Christian, I really like your examples and the way you put it. Sometimes we are really in some quote-unquote death situations. Everything feels dark, confusing, muddled, but in these times, we have two choices. We can grit our teeth, try to power through, and miss that opportunity to know Christ as resurrection. Or we can turn to Him, call on Him, and pray for God to come in. We can experience Him as resurrection power to lift us out of those death situations. Now, let me clarify the situations might not be different outwardly at all. The kids are still sick, step one is still there, Paul was still in prison, but you are different. You are not struggling alone. You now have the God of resurrection supplying you to elevate you. How awesome is it to experience God in this way?
2: I just want to say, I don't think this is just putting on a smile through a tough situation or, you know, something like that. You you can only do that for so long. We've talked about before, you know, knowing the Lord, bringing these situations to the Lord. Like you are saying, Abraham probably had a conversation with the Lord. Are you serious about that? <laughs> And uh, through that fellowship, I think it's, that's a really key point here for us as believers uh, in developing our relationship with the Lord to experience that dispensing of resurrection life into every situation.
0: I can't say any better than that, Christian. It's so awesome to see the story of Abraham's offering of Isaac in the light of Philippians 3.10. Abraham was faced with probably the most difficult decision ever. As a father, I can't even imagine the anxiety, the stress, the struggle that Abraham went through the day God told him to offer his son. But like the Bible said and we fellowshiped, the situation didn't change, but Abraham did. He no longer just knew God as the God that calls things into being that were not. He now knew God as a God of resurrection. He had faith in the God of resurrection. This is what God wants us all to experience. The Christian life isn't a life of getting rich, being blessed outwardly, having no struggles or difficulties. The Christian life is a life that has many valleys, many quote-unquote death situations. But in these situations, we have a choice. We can grit our teeth, put on a smile. We can try really hard. We can complain. We can battle. We can try our best to be patient, forgiving, or we can turn to God to experience him as a God of resurrection. We can experience the power of his resurrection. The situation might not change at all, but we have. We have gained more Christ. We are not the same. And I'll say one more thing. In my personal experience, many times when I'm in these tough situations I'm in default struggle mode, and it isn't until I meet with my fellow brothers and sisters that I realize that I need God, that I need the God of resurrection to come in. I hope today's fellowship really opens our eyes, and I pray that we learn to experience God as the God of resurrection this week. Thanks again, Christian and Zeke, for hopping on and fellowshipping with me. Till next week. May the God of resurrection come into your situations to encourage, supply, and elevate you. Thanks again, everyone.